Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I'm Bill Knight. I'm still picking my teeth. How about you? <laughs> I'm not picking your teeth. No. Uh, well, why not? You know, oh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Teeth. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, look, I, I had a you know great Thanksgiving thanks to Allie and Charlie up north in uh Oh, I like well, that. I, That's a little plug so he can get invited next year. See, he liked that means he liked the turkey. That means he's a satisfied I, man. I cook it every year and I did not have to cook turkey this year. All oh. I had to do was bring a big box of donuts and an appetite. And you oh, and you brought both, right? I brought the appetite. <laughs> yes, I did. I brought the appetite on, you know what I mean? I know what and, you mean. And and a gift for the wife, a little goodie bag, you know, of all kinds of little chotsky things that women like. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I scored a couple of brownie points, and uh, that was the intent. I just gave myself up. I know you did. <laughs> she listens. You're in trouble. But I had a great Thanksgiving. My wife and daughter, uh, unfortunately, my, my other daughter and my, my grandchildren uh, are like 500 miles away, which makes for a... Uh, you know, a tough, it's hard to get back for holidays all the time. But uh, we were there in spirit. And I got to tell you, thank God for FaceTime. FaceTime mm. is something we didn't have years ago. I mean, to, to the ability to look at the people you love at a distance and have a conversation. I mean, Skype's the same way, too. Uh, and it, it's amazing in real time. Every Christmas... We get together on the phone on FaceTime with my long di- my family at long distance, and uh, have a wonderful relationship. You know, we were able to talk and laugh, and they can show you the favorite dish that they make that they made that you can't get. I know to FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Look that this, delicious Jim. pie! Oh yeah. yes, I'd love to send you some, Dad, but you're 500 miles away. Oh, Thank no. God you can't smell it through the, uh, you know, the, the, when I was a the kid, electronic media. When I was a kid, we used to talk about smell-o-vision. Yeah. Well, it smells today. Yeah, we got it today. The news the news is smell-o-vision. Oh, yeah. You know? hey, hey, did you miss doing the show, Bill? I gotta, this was the first long break that you and I have taken since we started doing this two years sure ago. Sure, you miss it. You miss it. But, you know, observation, people, you know, on the holiday weekend, I think they're fed up with the news. And so, now, I'll make an observation, too, from it, too. They're fed up with the news. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear about it, but it's going on all the time. But mm-hmm. I came to a realization about the Hamas-Israel uh, war and, the, and all the turmoil going on there. And the number one complaint I heard was, I'm tired of hearing about this. And right away, I realized that nobody understands what's going on. So Hamas and the uh, Palestinians can spew their spin on the story of what it is, you know, contrary to history. So all of a sudden, you're going, well, you know, maybe Israel just needs, needs to take a chill pill. I mean, they need to quit doing what they're well, doing. Well, you know, and the, stuff. And, and everyone seems to have forgotten what happened on October 7th, you know, on well, October yeah, 7th. Or, or, or they're given a pass for it because of, well, it used to be our nation. No, it, it never was. No, there was never you know, a Palestine. I mean, but that, that's a long story. Uh, I see where, was it Egypt? Someone in the Middle East said, maybe it was uh, uh, Saudis. Someone in the Middle East said that the real Palestine was Jordan. And, the, and of course, the people in Jordan went ballistic. It's like they don't want to be the real Palestine. You know, um, they're not crazy, these neighboring countries, about bringing these refugees into their country. I think Jordan has a no. prohibition. I mean, you know, you're talking about a – that's a – you would have to take some time and study this, like Prager did. And he did a very good explanation, yeah. but even his explanation, which he condensed – Took 20 minutes to explain. And see, that's the other thing about today. If you can't spit it out and get it out in a quick, concise sentence, today's generation, and that's old and young, they don't want to hear it. Let, move on. Come on. Keep moving. Keep going. Where I want it now, hurry up society. Now, apparently, Biden wants to go to uh, to the Middle East. He wants to be there. 
and I guess he wants a ceasefire while he's there. And I heard this morning that it was a done deal and that the ceasefire that they're in now, which was supposed to end today, is now going to be pushed back until at least Thursday, which gives, of course, the bad guys a chance to replenish, restock, and catch their breath. You know, uh, and, and, and Biden... He's kind of middle of the road about this. He's giving money and support to Israel, but he says stuff like uh, uh, that is actually supportive of Hamas too. Yeah, and, and I I don't think you can in in a war situation you can't root for both sides. Twenty seconds. I'll explain it. There is no compromise. Can be no comp- compromise. Why? Since the beginning of time. These Palestinians, for whatever reason, hate Jewish people, and they hate the land. They want it. Therefore, their mentality, they're raised and bred this way to sit there and say, we hate the Jews, we want to kill all the Jews, we want to eliminate them. In response, the Jewish people cannot sit there and negotiate with them. There is no no negotiation, so they have to eliminate the Palestinians. It is a I hate you, you hate me relationship. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going that, to be eliminated. I, I think it kind of sums it up nicely. I think that's basically how it is. I don't see how uh, they can continue trying to coexist because there's no, um, the hatred doesn't go away. You know? No. You could give, the, you could find a deserted country, a piece of land somewhere and say, mm-hmm. Palestinians, this is yours to do with. Australia was a piece of, it was a barren piece of it was junk. A debtors, it was a debtor's island. They used to, it was a prison. Yeah, it was a prison. And look what it is today. As a matter of fact, they had a big political uh, thing going on there, which is another big topic. You know, uh, the, uh, the uh, what, what do they call it? Critical, uh, critical minerals. And because that is the future. China, while everybody was sleeping, you know, found this critical metal that is in sand. And they have a lot of it. They thought they had the most. We have it. But Australia actually has the, the king's ransom. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness there are allies, and they want it. They're developing it where China's way ahead. Now, what is that used for? Well, okay, critical earth is used in probably the most powerful magnets there are. Well, that's used for electric engines. It's used for navigation. It's used for all kinds of things, rockets, everything, munitions. Now, the other thing is those medical metals, those critical metals, all are most sophisticated planes that we make. They're not from the steel that used to come out of Pittsburgh and iron ore like that. No, it's that critical metal that is used in, that comes from that sand extracted and made. Now, China is the number one producer of it because they have it there. We have it too. But nobody ever thought but China Mm -hmm. to sit there and develop this and get it going. They've got the jump. I saw an interesting picture, Bill, uh, over the weekend. Did you finish it? I didn't want to. No, no, no. I'm just saying the point is China wants to control and cut off everyone, but they can't. We have some here. We have basically everything. But when it comes to that metal, Australia. The prison is the, the champion, no man's yeah. land. Is they've got it all. You know, it's interesting. I saw a picture over the weekend. It showed it. It showed these big heavy duty mining trucks. You know, the big dump trucks, and it said mm-hmm. people don't want these in the United States. Uh, getting the minerals out. You know, digging and mining. They don't want this, but they don't. And then they showed another picture, but they don't mine this. And it showed kids in China digging for lithium. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize they used uh, uh, ch- child labor still in China, but apparently, oh, hell yeah. apparently, yeah. some of the mines still do. Uh, and you know, well, why pay seventeen cents an hour when you can get a kid for a popsicle? I just don't know how electric cars are ever going to catch on the way they're made now, because they're not practical in any stretch of the. I have friends. I have a real good friend. She and her husband have an electric car, and they love it. It's a nice car. It's the top of the line. I think it's a Tesla. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, they but they they use it properly. They chart out their trips. They know where the charging stations are. And uh, I guess Tesla has uh, 
gone a step above other companies as far as locating these charging stations. And I think mm. they have a unique charging nozzle uh, on their on their cars. So mm -hmm. it's it's kind of uh, it's a little bit easier. But well, I understand he's going to take that nozzle and make it universal. Now, speaking of electronic, yeah, speaking of electronic charging, we talked over the weekend. You, oh, Jim and Bill don't talk. Did we really? Not on the, yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Yes. But I, I told you now. You know, Charlie is the one that uh, brought it up because he, he lives in uh, you know Massachusetts and going. Well, you know. If we wanted to add on to the house, or right now we could, but if we want to add on to the house, there's a bill in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So let's say you got a nice little, uh, I don't know, a ranch home, box home, and you're going, well, I want to add on to it. Well, there's all kinds of extra taxation things and things with the property, but what they're going to do is sit there and the bill is, oh, you've got to run a power outlet to it to where you will have an electronic plug-in station for electric vehicles on whatever building you add or build in the future. And that, you know, is getting ready to pass right now. Massachusetts now, is always, always having come from, I was born in Massachusetts. Okay. They, they have always been so far ahead that they're actually behind themselves. <laughs> I mean, they are, they are so, I know, don't even, basically don't, don't even try to figure that one out. Massachusetts no. is always, they always think that they're doing something, you know, for the betterment of mankind in that state. And they always end up screwing themselves up big time. In my humble estimation, case in point, they had a, uh, a thing where if you drove into Massachusetts and you had a gun in your car, mm -hmm. you went to jail. Thank you very much. Next. No, that yeah, was a law yeah. for a while. That was a law for a while. Now, I don't think it's that way anymore because some people, you know, they, they have trucks and they have guns in there. They're trying to protect themselves. Well, how they get around that now is, and it's your, it's your responsibility to know. Let's mm -hmm. just say you have a Ruger ACP, 9 millimeter, mm -hmm. or 380, 380, 9 uh ACP, you know, LCP. Well, that's legal. Did you say that? Uh, no, the ACP, ACP I think is legal. The AC, yeah. yeah, the ACP is legal. Mm -hmm. All right, you got an LCP. And somebody in Pennsylvania is going, what the hell does that mean? Dude, who cares? <laughs> yeah. I got an LCP. It's it's a little, you know, $300 gun. Big deal. It's nice, nice self-carry. Oh, no, no. Not in Massachusetts. That's 10 years in prison automatically because you carried an illegal there you go across the state line. <laughs> you got to love Massachusetts. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, in some states, you can, you know, you buy a gun and you go, well, you, you know, I'm going to give this gun to my son when he's 18 or 21, whatever the legal age is, and you hold on to it. And you take him to the gun shop to sit there and say, I want to transfer this gun over. He's 21 today. Well, you can't do that. Not in Massachusetts. Anyway, what is that? Uh, it's a straw purchase or something like that. It means that you're trying to hey, listen, illegally pass a gun you, along you to You decide to move can't. to Massachusetts and you got a gun collection? you got to sit down and go through each and every gun and make sure that you can bring it into the state. It's, it's that simple. Uh, some you can. Others you can't. And the law can change. You know, in, in within the year, they, they change something. No, that gun's no longer legal. But this one over here is. You know how many residents have guns there that probably are illegal? <laughs> oh, a lot. Or, yeah, a lot. I mean, they're, people... I was trying to think of something to say without no. using a bad word. <laughs> uh, a whole boatload. <laughs> Let's just put uh, it... Yeah, yeah. yeah, a boatload. A boatload. I was <laughs> thinking of the other B yeah, word. I know you. Know? you. <laughs> but anyway, they... Uh, they they like to think they're on the cutting edge in Massachusetts, but uh, not really. Uh, they are you know, sometimes. And, and you boy, can be another thing about another thing about Massachusetts, by the way, they didn't get the nickname Taxachusetts without oh, a, no. without a reason. They had a they will tax everything in Massachusetts. Sometimes you're too hip for the room. There you go. Yep. Uh, while all this stuff is going on, you know, I, I just said to Bill before the show started, I said, you know. We don't have our attention span for news 
It isn't there. We don't yeah. have it anymore. Think about it, friends. Over the course of the last two weeks, we've talked about the Ukraine. We've talked about uh, the war in the Middle East became a big item, and everybody was talking about it. And they were talking about how close it could be to World War III, and then all of a sudden it's kind of faded off into the background. And, uh, yeah, Biden has said he's thinking of going over this week. Boy, but what a big mistake that will be. If Joe yeah. goes over to the Middle East, he, and interferes with what's going on. They're in the middle of operating, trying to uh, take care of a war situation. They haven't got time to babysit the head of state, never mind the leader of the free world. And by the way, he's putting himself in danger. You know, if if you want to get rid of uh, the the guy who's the, the president of the United States, just uh, send him over to the Middle East in the middle of a war and see how that goes. Well, don't worry, though. We have, uh, we'd be in capable hands, the hands of Kamala. Oh, let me bless myself. Uh, anyway, um, another war which is going on, and you hear nothing about it. Really, it's the it's only thing you hear now is they're not getting enough money over there, is the Ukrainian mm-hmm. situation. I want to play for you a little, uh, a little audio. It's in Ukrainian, but these are, I'm going to talk, we'll talk over it, but you're going to hear the sound of some soldiers who are in a trench in the Ukraine. This is like last week. They're in a trench, and the Russians are bombing the living bejeebas out of them. Bejeebas? Okay. Yes. They are bomb- They're using cluster bombs now. The Russians are. They figured, hey, what the heck? No one's paying attention anymore. They're using cluster bombs. So yeah. one, that's one bomb that blows up into multiple bombs, which blow up everywhere. That's a cluster bomb, okay? And they're using it. And these these Ukrainian soldiers, one of which is a young lady, is pet. They're petrified. They're in this trench, and they're they can't crawl any lower in the trench without digging a deeper trench. They are just they're just terrified. What's going on? And you're going to hear the sound. Well, let me just play it for you. I mean, these are these are terrified people, young people. But by the way, they're not as young as they used to be because they've either run out of young people to send off to war or the other young mm-hmm. people have taken off to neighboring countries. They're not crazy about uh, losing their lives for this war. It's like throwing them into a meat grinder. Yeah. You know? Um, they're not happy with it at all. Yeah, and uh, that didn't sound too, uh, you know, you hear that incoming? Oh, well, it, it doesn't say what happened to these people. You don't know whether they got this uh, this uh, body cam footage from a living or a dead soldier. Oh, they could be gone by now. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, we didn't hear about it, but it did happen. You know, they always talk about the drones of the Ukraine. Well, they're American drones that they're using. Mm-hmm. Well, Russia has drones, too, and they flew in hundreds, if not more of them, and they went in. And blew the hell out of what is it, Kiev? Kiev, yeah, yep, yeah. They they blew the hell out of it over the well, what these Thanksgiving holidays? It's not Thanksgiving there. I... What these soldiers here? They were um, protecting a, a city called Avdivka. I hope I pronounced that right. Avdivka, close enough. Avdivka. Uh, yeah. It's called the Siege of Avdivka, and the Russians are kicking the daylights out of them. And here's the problem. The woman even says it. Maybe she apparently she did live. I take that back because she must have given the video to the reporter. But mm-hmm. she said, we're not going to win because we can't win the war of attrition. Right. We haven't got enough people. They just can't Well, that's do what it. Russia has. In Russia, you know, when they were saying, oh, yeah, they're, they're beating the hell out of Russia. Well, you know, they did kill a lot of people. But... You know, if you got an army of 10 and they got an army of 10,000 or 100,000 or a million, which there's, they've, they're yeah. over a million strong, 
Mm, not so good. Now, I'm sure Joe would have no problem, and a lot of the Democrats and and uh, woke Republicans would sit there and go, oh, yeah, let's send some of our boys over there. Uh, not no, but hell no. You know, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about the Hamas-Israel war. Yeah. Um, we really don't need to be involved over there. And yet you have also, why is that war being fought? You know, did, did we really come out to explain why the Ukrainians are fighting? We make it like it's, well, they're fighting for their for democracy and freedom for democracy yeah. and all that. And Russia is fighting because there's biological labs there. Yeah. That the U.S. runs. And here's the thing. You know, we talk about how much money we're giving to the Ukraine. Well, I, I read an article over the weekend, which I thought was interesting. Apparently, a lot of the, what we're giving the Ukraine isn't actually cash. It's equipment. And, yeah. okay, so we've talked about this before. So we're giving our stock to the Ukrainians. What does that leave us? Well, this article said, wait a second, hold on. What we're giving the Ukrainians is our old stock. We're giving them stuff that was going to be phased out anyway. It's stuff like, you know, some of these tanks and things like that, some of the, many of them are used and are going to be replaced by better tanks or if they aren't already. Um so Hey, a tank is a tank. Oh, I know, but what I guess what I, they were saying was our stock isn't as depleted as we were told it was initially. Uh, the mm -hmm. stuff that we're giving them is surplus, which is, it's reassuring, but, and they also, the person who wrote this article says we should continue to support the Ukraine, which I, look at, God bless these people. I don't think there should be a war. I think as a powerful nation like we are, I think we should have pushed both countries into a, into a room and said, okay, let's talk peace. Let's negotiate peace. Enough, enough. Russia, you have a lot to lose. Ukraine, you have a lot to lose. You've lost a lot already, both of you. Let's talk peace. How do we do this and do this in a fair and equitable way where we both can walk out with our heads up? That's what a good leader, and that's what I think Trump is going to do. I think Trump, as soon as he becomes president, is going to get these guys to sit down. And, you know, it won't be that hard to do right? because— the Russians have lost a lot, like you said, Bill, and the Ukrainians have already lost a lot. And there's no, right now, there's no promise of a happy ending in sight for any country. It's just more death. Yeah. You know, you can't trust the media. And I say that because I mentioned it to you. And uh, I, I never really thought about it, didn't think about it, but I was listening to, uh, well, broadcast from up north in Canada. Mm -hmm. And there were then the one person was talking about the media up there that Trudeau, when he came into power, he didn't create, you know, like radio has a broadcast license, but what the, he did for the journalism is created in essence, a journalistic license. And how to get that license is you submit your newscast and, oh. and whatnot. And you sit there and you get vetted by the government. So, in other words, if they're buying your propaganda and you sell their message, well, what's in return for you? Oh, 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 you get subsidized by the government. So the government now pays the media and the journalist as long as their stories are approved and stay approved by the government. And I was going... Well, now there's a sneaky how do you of do? Course. Thank you. You know to sit there and sell your. Well, you know who they propaganda? say he's the son of, really. A bitch. I don't know. No, they, the, <laughs> no, no, no. They say that Trudeau, his his mother was enamored with Fidel Castro. Yeah, yeah and no, that he that. is supposedly the illegitimate son of uh, Fidel. Now, I'm sure Pierre Trudeau would question that, but to be honest with you, Pierre and. And uh, Justin, I don't see the resemblance myself, but that's just me. I do see a kind of a resemblance to Fidel. You know, there's there's a certain look about him. Fidel was a, a pretty decent-looking guy if you took the beard off him. Um, also, yeah. we talk uh, about Canada. Speaks. Yeah. Well, he's another country which uh, you never think of as being socialistic, but 
And I hate oh, yeah, to say, I, I hate to say this because it's the uh, it's the country of my ancestry, Ireland. Mm-hmm. Ireland, you know, they're having riots in Ireland right now over the migration, immigration. A lot of mm-hmm. the people in Dublin are fed up with. Uh, there was an attack on five people, three little children with knives, by uh, an Algerian migrant, and there was no talk in the news, by the way, about the fact that he was from Algeria. It mm-hmm. was, it was, they called him, uh, an alien, no, an immigrant. They called him an immigrant. They didn't say he was right. illegal. He was illegal. Uh, they didn't say all, where he was from. He was from Algeria. Uh, so uh, the people are fed up. So they apparently went on a, a rampage in, in Dublin last week. And Conor McGregor, who is a MMF uh, fighter champion. Right. He's a mixed martial arts, great uh, boxer. He does it all. Right. Uh, he's from Ireland, and he stood up against the uh, the Irish government because the Irish government tried to downplay the whole situation and blame the disturbance in Dublin on the people and not on the fact that they were protesting the lack of justice with this uh, uh, knife-wheeling clown, you know, in uh, – in the first place. So right. uh, now, this is why I, I, I bring it up. So now what happens is the chief of police of Dublin criticizes Conor McGregor, who, by the way, I think is over here. He's in the right. U.S. They criticize McGregor for adding his two cents, and now he's being investigated for a possible hate speech crime. Of course he is. The the pe- this is what's happened, friends. While you all were sleeping, and that includes mm-hmm. me, the world has gone through a political change. Those creeps in the deep state, who have the money and the power and the influence, you know, the Davos crowd, the World Economic Forum, they've been funding politicians that we just didn't pay attention to. Well, now they're in positions of authority and power, and now the damnedest things are happening. Like, they're investigating the good guys. Look what happened on January 6th. I mean, I have a good friend of mine who is a liberal who thinks that January 6th was the worst thing in the world. And and the fact of the matter is, I agree with her, it was the worst thing in the world because it was a big fabricated lie. You know, they to this day... They will talk about five deaths from January 6th. Five police officers died. No, there weren't any police officers who died on January 6th. But there were at least two people who died as a direct result of being attacked on January 6th who were, who were demonstrators, who were there to demonstrate. And then there were two guys who were there in the crowd who were demonstrating for you know, uh, a fair elections who had heart attacks and died. So the four people who died as a direct result of the of the d- demonstration were on the demonstrator's side, not on the police side, but the January 6th committee. They brought these lying SOBs up to testify. Remember, Bill, the cops? Yeah, I remember. And, yeah. and they would, they one of them, a big feeling clown who I think got a job at one of the, the liberal news networks, of course. He was um he was crying. He was so emotionally changed by what happened on January 6th. In the meantime, now that we have the video, we see that the January 6th uh, thing was more of a uh, show and tell. It was they were they were letting people come in, waving them in, and it looked like the police were giving them tours. I don't I I mean, and the troublemakers out front who were shooting rubber bullets into the crowd and throwing flashbang grenades into the crowd with the Capitol Police. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too. There's a story out that came out over the... Well, I think it came out yesterday. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, the filmmaker, you know, they shot a lot of film. Yeah. She was caught uh, on microphone, I think on camera, too, but at least on mic, admitting that the January uh, insurrection was no insurrection at all. It was staged, you know? So uh, I'm sitting there. You, you've got that going on. Bill, when you uh, own the networks, the, 
when you own the networks, you can well, sell anything. Yeah, own it or, you know, I we've asked before, how in the hell do they keep going with the big salaries and whatnot at MSNBC? Because the ratings suck. Awful. Uh, yeah, you look at them and go, wait a minute, they got a million point two people and there's 363 million people here? Hey, they don't even have hey, a percent of the audience. If, if out you there. believe our ratings, in some some days we have more people around the world listening to our podcast than some yeah. of their shows. Yeah, but but they get the notoriety because well, we're on a national platform, and uh, we went to uh, you know Harvard to study journalism. You know, yeah, right. Wellington, come here. Could you yes. uh, yes. fetch my slippers for me, please? <laughs> but either way. You know, they've done all of that. Belmont, could you get me some coffee? Uh, anyway. <laughs> you know, <I'm, laughs> needless to say, a, I like that. Needless to say, though, um, a lot of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were uh, farmers, common people, small business well, people, no, nothing special about education. You know, they were just regular people. I don't even know whether they would be uh, accepted into uh, the halls of Congress right now. A lot of the people who signed the Declaration, the Constitution, you know? Well, there is a difference between the elite and the rich and the common folk. And, but I'm not going to go into the, uh, you know, to, to degrade them. You mm -hmm. know, like they like to degrade us. They like to sit there. Well, you know, and I, I tell this story a lot. People don't realize this. A lot of young people don't realize this. But uh, as recently as like 1920s, Mm -hmm. You could go from high school to law school, but you didn't have to go to law school. All you had to do is spend five years in a law office apprenticing and then take a test, and you could be a lawyer. You can say, what? Oh, you didn't need to go to college. You just jumped over college. You left high school. You apprenticed in a law school, and then you could become a lawyer in some states. Uh... Things changed because they wanted to make it an exclusive club. You know, so they yeah. made more, made it, you had to have more credentials. You had to, had to graduate from high school, had to graduate from college, had to go to law school. All those things are things that have come over the last hundred years. California used to be, I think, a year and a half that you had to go through. Minnesota, just for your, uh, I think it was Minnesota, Minnesota or Milwaukee, one of the mm -hmm. uh, up that way. Um, it was a year. You do one year and you're in. And I'm like going, Wait a minute now. Well, but, you wasn't know, it Abraham you Lincoln? Of, didn't Abe, Abe Lincoln didn't graduate from high school? He apprenticed, became a lawyer, and that was it. Yeah, well, laws used to be common sense, you know, and, but not anymore. But you have this elite crew, and, well, I went to Harvard. I went to Yale. Oh, of you course. Know. You know. Think about this, too, Bill. Think about this. Uh, a lot of the universities and colleges, they all get, like, bachelor's degrees and master's. But yet, if you go to Harvard, you still only get a bachelor's degree or a master's, maybe a doctorate if you really hang around a lot. But I mean, but somehow their bachelor's degree is supposed to be more significant than someone who went to, let's say, the University of Connecticut. It's not. You just pay more for it. I, look, it's all about power and control. That's what people are about. They want to be. They want to be rich. They, the better than you. Of course. And yeah. they want to be in control and power. That's why, you know, as somebody asked me over the weekend, I never understood the term blue blood. And I said, oh, blue blood? Rich people? Uh -huh. Well, that's because they, they didn't want to have anybody else in power. So they bred in their family, blue blood. And, uh, <laughs> you know. You know, uh, I grew up in southern New England, not too far from Newport, Rhode Island. If you want to see... Uh, Blue Blood Residences, take a ride into Newport, Rhode Island. It's it's beautiful, beautiful town it's right on the coast. It, it's such a nice town that uh, in the beginning of the 20th century, actually the end of the 19th century, many of the richest families in the world decided to build their cottages. <laughs> cottages. It makes it sound like it's about nine by nine. These things were huge. One of them is called the Breakers, and it was literally, I guess, a, a, a palace in France that the owner 
Vanderbilt, Cornelius Vanderbilt, decided, I'd like that at my place in Newport. And he had every single stone numbered, and he mm. had it disassembled in France, stone by stone, and then they shipped it over to Rhode Island, and then they put it back together again, stone by stone. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's only you have to have money to burn to do stuff like that, you know? And he did, and they did. And yes, they were blue blood. And, um, you know, you tr trust me, I would have been forced if I had gone by there in like 1910, I would be forced to use the servant's entrance, okay? That's just the way it is. Because I, I wouldn't have that, that pedigree, as they would say. That's <laughs> uh, the pedigree, yes, yes. I'm um, sorry. That's why I make fun of towns. You know, there are towns that are named, there are people's names. Of course, know? yeah, especially up in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. My that's, God. That's what yes. yes, well, anyway, have you gone to Andover recently? Uh, it's one day. Take a ride up to Andover, Exeter, you know, those are nice towns, beautiful towns, actually. Um, other things going on in our beautiful country on this Monday. And, boy, it is good to be back, isn't it? i got to tell you, I do, I do feel good being back on, on Mike doing the program. I missed yeah. it. I really did. Um, a senior Pentagon official who oversaw federally operated school systems in the uh, in the Americas, that means that includes us, I guess, too, uh, has been arrested in a Georgia human trafficking sting. Now, there you go. You just can't make this stuff up. You hear what I said? A senior mm -hmm. Pentagon official, he oversaw federally operated school systems. He was arrested for human trafficking. Honest to God, folks, what is going on? Where do these people come from? The uh, Coweta County Sheriff's Office last week announced the arrests of 26 people, including Stephen Hovannik, former chief of staff of the America's Division of the Department of Defense Education Activity, uh, in connection with an alleged human trafficking ring. Hovannik has apparently uh, held the position since 2010. He's not a newcomer oh. to that position, and uh, he's been trafficking people. Or that—that's the accusation. Unbelievable. Yeah, and you know what's going to come? And whoever you know, whoever is partaking, they're going to go. You know, my my name's on a list or a database somewhere. Case in point, up in that state we just talked about, yeah. uh, Massachusetts. You've probably heard of the uh, community Alwife or something like that. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. There's a big high-rise complex. Either way, there was a big sex ring that operated out of this. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. yeah. A nice a nice apartment complex. And they busted it. They had all Asian women and like that. But they had a big sex ring. Politicians Turns involved, out, Bill? Politicians, doctors, lawyers, all people of... Um, you know, stature. And well, it's talk. funny you should mention that, Bill. Because in my little hands here <laughs> is another little piece of paper that talks about a similar situation. Embattled GOP Representative George Santos. Uh, you know, he's on his way out right now. He's convinced that uh, he's going to be removed by the Ethics Commission. Um, right. He ripped his uh, fellow lobbyist. He says, I have colleagues who are more worried about getting drunk every night with the next lobbyist that they're uh, going to screw and pretend like none of us know what's going on and sell off the American people, not show up for a vote because they're too hungover and whatever the reason is, and not show up for a vote at all and just uh, give the card out like effing candy for some Someone else to vote for them. I didn't know you could do that. Apparently, the representatives yeah. have a card that if you can't vote, you give it to somebody else, and they can they use can it. Vote for it. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Anyway, which may, that tells you what's going on with yeah. the law. How the hell did that pass? <laughs> well, you know what gets me is this, this. This is the guy that the ethics committee is going to throw out, I and mean, what he's saying is, "Hey, they're throwing me out, and these guys are out getting drunk and." They're uh, chasing uh, lobbyists, young lobbyists, trying to get uh, in the sack with them, and they're they're hypocrites. You know, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, you know, he's also a guy who's been scorned. So you know, he maybe he's just trying to be nasty. But I always think there's some truth when I hear that. 
you know? Well, he might be trying to be nasty, but, you know, put yourself in that situation. You know, you think what I did was bad? Take a good look in the yeah. mirror there, buddy, because here's the proof. And it wouldn't be hard to vet that. Now, they're probably working real diligent. That's why lawyers are saying, hey, I got your butt on this. You got to watch where, you know. You know, that was the big joke about Bill Clinton when he was running. You know, if he can just keep his fly closed until yeah. the election's over. He'd be a over, great president. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're going to be in, buddy. Just yeah. keep your trousers zipped, you know, which he couldn't do. But he still got in. They They covered for him. You know, we vote for these people because we think we know them. But I think if every American were to sit down for a second, take a deep breath, we don't know any of these people. None of them. No, you don't. I mean, some of them are great marketeers. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, now I'll tell you, I think I know Trump because he's he's done it for four years. And I look at the results and say, yeah, that works. Not perfect. No, no, not perfect. Uh, but only one perfect man walked the earth. That was 2,000 years ago. But mm -hmm. um, he did a pretty darn good job. And I think he's actually learned from this past four years. And he'll even be better in the next four years. By the way, the governor of Iowa, a woman who supported Trump in, in 2016 or 2022, I guess, she's backing uh, Ron DeSantis. And you got to wonder, you know, show me your friends, folks. You know, when things are tough, that's when you need to show your your loyalty to people. And, and some of these politicians, including this governor from Iowa, they just, they have no ethics. They have nothing. You know, when, and by the way, Trump is just killing them in the polls. I mean, mm -hmm. he's just miles down the road from the next, the next guy who it's neck and neck with Haley. Um, yeah, I have an audio piece of audio. I'll send you after the show mm -hmm. where uh, somebody that I think they took to the X and uh, did their video. And uh, it, it's, well, it's black gentleman, but he was, he was very dead on with what he said. He was colorful with his language, uh, but he was basically talking about the illegal immigrants and that uh, we're about to, you know, be attacked by terrorists and everything. And he's basically telling black people to wake up that it's the Democrats and certain uh, woke Republicans that are playing the race cards. And then he goes, we represent 13%. He goes, they don't need us anymore. Why do you think they're bringing the immigrants in here? But Either way, and actually, that good point. Well, that's actually a good point. You you, you mentioned thirteen <laughs> percent, maybe, and a lot of the thirteen percent are waking up and voting Republican. So, what do the Democrats so, do? They bring in illegals and they give them the right to vote. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, I, I think I just made his point without dropping the f bomb a hundred times. So I'll yeah. still give it to you because. Um, he was he was very clear in how he put it out there. I mean, he was articulate. He just he was mad, and he wants people to wake up and smell the roses and their rotten roses. Other things going on. Um, I looked at the old clock on the wall. We only we're, gee, we've been having a good oh, mine's time. a young clock actually. It's uh, not that uh, old. Mine's old actually. You can see you should see it's receding hairline. Um, really? Doug, Douglas McGregor was on a, mm -hmm. a podcast a couple of days ago talking about. The economy. I didn't realize this. With three trillion dollars in debt, actually with thirty-three trillion, but I think the Pentagon is three trillion. Oh, I know what it is. The Pentagon can't find three trillion dollars. They've lost yeah. three trillion dollars. Now, I ask you, how do you lose three trillion? You have a checkbook at home, and you have a balance in there. You get your statement. You go back and forth with a statement and you balance on the checkbook and you you kind of know where the money is or where you messed up. Well, these guys, they lost $3 trillion. So uh, Douglas McGregor was talking about it. Listen to this. The last thing the United States needs at this point in our history is a war of any kind. We have too much to do here at home. We're already spending a trillion dollars plus uh, every year now to service our enormous sovereign debt. You know, normally your creditors, and we have creditors, will come to you and say, look, it's obvious your head's underwater. You've got to cut spending. If you cut spending, 
we'll restructure your debt to enable you to pay it. That's what you do. That's what Franklin Roosevelt did in 32 and 34. He didn't call it a default. They called it restructuring the debt. Can we do that now? That's probably too late. Who holds most of the debt internally and externally? Well, that's another lengthy explanation, but let's be frank. The Saudis, the Chinese, the Japanese, the British, other Europeans, they hold most of the debt. Do they ever really expect to be paid back? I, I think they've reached a point now where they see no evidence that we will ever cut spending. So where are we headed? We're headed over the cliff. In fact, some people say we've already gone over and it's only a matter of time until we hit the bottom. When you hit the bottom, that's when everything will change. But until then, people are going to keep doing what they've always done because they've gotten away with it. So I think General Flynn is right. And I think it's the tip of the proverbial iceberg. You know, what I like about Douglas McGregor is he just doesn't sugarcoat it. He, no. he just, he has, he has uh, no agenda. He just tells it like it is. And it's true. How do you lose $3 you know, trillion? Dollars? Go ahead, Bill. Well, I was going to say, we talked about it before. I, I was saying we could, we have the power, the capability of wiping the debt because there is, in, in our case, there's really nothing to back it. But it, it, what Ronald Reagan said, the might of our military strength, you've got the Saudis, they got oil, you know, or you've got gold that you've amassed. You've got something. Now we got back gold, but go ahead. But what does it say? to the people who hold the debt, like he said, Japan, China, all these, uh, the Saudis, that actually hold a lot of our debt, meaning they loaned us cash. Well, can, we just again, print, can we just print that money in our printing press and then hand it off to these countries and say that's it? Well, what I'm saying is, is that we have things that are tangible, that have value. Now... They have gold, they have oil, they have uh, Japan electronics and whatnot. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a, a person that keeps up with all of that. One thing that we have, except Biden really doesn't do the job of keeping up, but Trump built it up. We have military strength and technology, and that is an asset. And that is an offsetting asset that we can sit there you know, we can sit there and take control of this. We I think can. That, I, I think I know what you're saying, but I don't think that we can. There was another story I read over the weekend uh, talked about a new bomber that we've developed that has all of our our adversaries nervous, including China. It's called the B-21 stealth bomber. And I thought, well, why is a, a stealth bomber? And then it occurred to me it probably can carry nuclear weapons on this stealth bomber, which means that they, they can't see it when it's up there. Well, let me ask you a question. If we got a stealth bomber, hmm, let's just say, and this thing can take off and you can't see it, or it takes off and you don't know what it's doing and it disappears. Well, could they not make some kind of stealth missile, ballistic missile? It would make sense to me, which says to me, if you thought about it, and I agree, it's, it's well, we probably already have it. We probably already have it. We just don't now talk about it. Now that gets back to the point of, of, of going back and saying, okay, what do we have to where we don't have to sit there and say, well, take that debt and stick it up your rear end, but we could go and restructure that debt and come back and say, hey, here's how it is. But I'm, I'm of the opinion that... Um, yeah, you know what? We could actually worldwide, you know, the, there are people that rule and they say, I own this and I own that, and therefore I own you and you owe me. We could, we have the ability as a whole to sit there and say, there is no debt. But you have to have discipline, meaning you have, to, in order to, to pay off a debt, you have to say, okay, I'm not going to buy anything else anymore for a while. I'm just going to pay down this debt. The problem that we do, we seem to have in this country is, we have no discipline. We continue to right. have these debts, and we continue to rack up more. Right, but they also use debt. You know, when you sit there and they make you go to work, they make you do things to earn things. But 
how did they acquire everything? It's to me, it's just, well, it's really simple, you know, but then again, I'm not in a socialistic kind of I, guy. Don't, I don't know don't. how we will ever pay off 33 uh, trillion dollars. I don't think because, because I remember, well, I remember when I was younger, not too long ago, maybe like the turn of the century that we talked about a $3 trillion debt as if that was insurmountable. Now we're $33 trillion. Now we go well, out and we lose $3 trillion at the Pentagon? Holy smokes. Well, imagine this. They detected there is an asteroid. I believe it's an asteroid that's going to careen by here sometime in the near future. And they've detected it's got gold. It's got platinum. It's got silver. It's got all the precious metals and then some. And the whole damn thing is made of that. And there is more than this planet will ever, ever have. And I forget what it is, but it's, it's an insurmountable amount of wealth that if we could go and redirect that, get it, mine it, slow it, whatever, whoever gets that rules the world probably for the next 10 or 100,000 years or as long as this planet exists. Well, I'm sure they're working on it. If that's the case, I'm sure. Well, no, they are. As they're trying speak, to figure out how to. As we speak, somebody's in a, in a room somewhere trying to figure out how do I slow down a. There's a mathematician yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, yep. it'll take this much fuel, this big of a rocket, and this is what we need. Let's go do it. Get exactly. It, because when we do that, debt's paid and we own everything. Hey, Ben Bergwam, who is a, uh, uh, a reporter, a terrific reporter on the Real America's Voice Network, he spends all of his time, for the most part, on the border. Another thing that we're not talking about right now is what's happening on our border. We're kind of forgetting mm -hmm. about it. But while we don't pay attention to it, it doesn't mean that things have stopped. Listen, listen to what he said. This is from a, a report that he issued over the weekend. This is the state of our border security right now. It is totally wide open, wide open, and the cartels control it. There is a cartel scout right up on the mountain. I'm going to zoom in there for you to see that. Every day, all day, there's one here, there's one up over here, there's probably a couple more over there. The cartels control the border. Joe Biden, Secretary Marcus, Homeland Security, they don't control our border. It's the cartels that do now because of their policies. This guy's just sitting up there waiting for me to move so he can send his next group. There's no border patrol. We've been out here for over an hour. There is no border patrol out here. They got a couple cameras, they got a couple sensors so they can count the people that run past them. But out further out in the desert, there's nothing. So even if they tell you a number of gotaways, they have no idea. Well, they laugh at us on the Mexico side. They laugh at us on the Mexico side. Just got to the top of the next hill, just went one hill further than I was. And sure enough, right there is another cartel scout. Every single one of these high points has cartel scouts on them. Everywhere you've got an opening in the bottom, you've got cartel scouts up here. Because as you, they send the ones that turn themselves in, there's no border patrol to even pick them up. So those people are having to walk into Nogales. There's no border patrol out here. But when that happens, then they send the don't, ones that don't want to get caught, the ones in all camouflage. That's what's happening out here. Border Patrol knows he's there. The Mexican military knows he's there. And they let them stay out here because Mexico is controlled by the cartels. And if we don't stop it, soon we will be too. What I find amazing about that is he's talking about the fact, and it, it's within eyesight. He just moves the camera a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's a, uh, There are hills. And on one hill is a cartel spotter. And he moves to right. the next hill, and there's an, you see another cartel spotter. They have more spotters on the border, the cartels do, than we have Border Patrol agents. I mean, our, he says there's no Border Patrol agents anywhere. A lot of it is because we have en enough agents, but Biden has them driving buses, making sandwiches for the immigrants, and not doing their, their, the job they were trained to do, patrol the border. He, he has just destroyed our security. So when you're thinking about voting for Biden again, I want you to think about the young people in our country who are not here today because they died from fentanyl poisoning that came across the border because this administration allowed it to come in. It's as simple as that. It's not even a matter of having to do any heavy thinking. It's as simple as that. They let this crap come into our country and that crap ended up killing a lot of innocent young people. Mm -hmm. And uh, he doesn't deserve your vote.
another thing that was interesting. I'm trying to get these things in before oh, the show well, ends. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff here. Now right? this this is this is this was interesting. Uh, right. I, I'm a big football fan. I watch a lot of football over the weekend. I watch Penn State play Michigan State on Saturday. I watch the Steelers and the Patriots play. The Patriots, God, they got a terrible. You guys up in New England. Oh, my heart goes out to you. You you went from having Tom Brady, who was maybe the best quarterback in the history of the game. He couldn't lose if there were two guys on his side playing the game. He still, he was a winner. Brady was a winner. A terrific football player. You went from that to the guy you have now. Uh, maybe he's well-intentioned, but uh, look it. I'm an old guy with bad knees, and I probably could play at least as good as he played because I can lose you the game just as just as well as he can, you know? I mean, if you're going to pay somebody a couple million dollars to lose a game, hey, get an old guy to do it. I'll do it. Anyway, uh, so anyway, I'm a big fan of football. Scott Hansen mm-hmm. does a program on, on the weekend called uh, NFL Red Zone. It's uh, put out by the NFL Network, and it's really interesting to watch. It's constant highlights from all the different games almost as they happen. So you you see all the games, all the coverage of all the games. It's like overload for your sensors, but it's fun to watch. But yesterday, something very strange happened during the broadcast, something that has never happened in the history of the game. Listen. Yes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is a first in my 20-something year broadcasting career. We have an alarm going off in the studios of NFL Red Zone right now in our studios here in Inglewood, California. We are being told we need to evacuate the building. We do not know the nature of the emergency. You can probably hear the alarm going right over the top of my right shoulder here uh, as it is something absolutely unprecedented for us. We have this game being told we need to evacuate the building we do not know the nature of the emergency you can probably hear the alarm going right over the top of my right shoulder here uh, as it is something absolutely unprecedented for us I, the thing about it is i didn't i usually watch it like i'm glued to the nfl red zone but yesterday for some reason i was glued to, to, to a game i missed that so i don't know what happened i would imagine they all had to leave the building. I would have also imagined they probably oh, switched. Got to get out. They probably switched to a sister network somewhere that's not in the same building. I guess the NFL uh, they have a, a, another network which is kind of mainstream programming. Maybe they switched to that to keep it on the air. But you know, although it, it reminded me of something when I used to work at, CB, at CBS in New York, mm-hmm. this this really happened. Um, I was working on. At WCBS FM in New York, back in the seventies, they were on the seventeenth floor of what they call Black Rock, which was the corporate headquarters of CBS. And we got a bomb scare. I was on the air at the time, doing my rock and roll radio program on CBS FM, talking to, you know, the Big Apple. It was great. And um, all of a sudden, we got a bomb scare, and the engineer said, "Don't worry about it. We stay." And I thought to myself, uh, wait a second, they're emptying the building out. I can see it from up here. I look down and I see everybody in the building going outside of the building because the alarm's going off in the background. But we're on the air, so we stay? (laughs) I thought, that didn't seem to make any sense. Actually, what they did at the NFL Red Zone was the smart thing. If you empty the building out, it means everybody. Everybody out of the building. But back in the old days, when I was working in New York, uh, I can remember th- sitting to myself thinking, oh, I sure hope this is not a real bomb. <laughs> Play the heavy hits. I used to work in uh, Florida, and I uh, forget, the, well, it was a plantation. And we worked in the building where AT&T was. And a lot of times people get mad. They couldn't pay their bills, so they they would sit there. They would actually call in a bomb threat. It was a fake bomb threat, but that and this building was all glass, so they called it the fishbowl. We were in a glass bowl. And they would come along every once in a while, at least once a week, we got evacuated from the building to go out in the parking lot, but it wasn't a mandatory thing. And the reason was 
is it was a damned if you do and damned if you don't. If they don't tell you to evacuate and you happen to stay in, well, then the relatives have the reason to sue them because you got hurt or killed in the building if it something happened. But if you went out to, you, you evacuated the building, they tell you to evacuate, it was always at your own choosing. By the way, there's a bomb threat. You can choose what to do. You can stay here or you can evacuate the building. It had to be your choice. Because if you went out to the parking lot and it blew up and you got hit by shrap glass all over the place and got cut to shreds, mm-hmm. you, if you survive, well, or your family has a lawsuit. What they That's did with the NFL, they didn't give them a choice. That's the difference. What I guess what they do now is if they say get out of the building, that means everybody out of the building. No if, no deciding. See, in our situation, it wasn't even my decision. It was like the chief, the engineer said, no, we stay. And I said, wait a second, we stay? I'm on the air thinking, everybody's leaving the building. They know something, you know. Maybe this is not a good thing to be doing. I mean, well, I've heard of a it, blast from the past, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, we used to have that at Scripps Howard, too, when I worked in Memphis at WMC. and those. But when that building had burned once, and there was a fire in there. But uh, so... It didn't matter. We had the world wrestling, uh, which, you know, the, the Jimmy Hearts and all of that there before they were big. And uh, the 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 Lawlers and Lufkin mm-hmm. was there, too. That's where he got the, the, the hair chat. Uh, either way. We could go on and on. But I have one more yeah, thing I wanted to do. We used to always have to evacuate. Well, and it was not, a, it was not mandatory when I was in New York. So, uh, Steven Spielberg, you hear what he's doing? No. Steven Spielberg and Rob Reiner are co-hosting an elite Hollywood fundraiser to support Joe Biden's re-election and are charging up to $500,000 per ticket. See, this just goes to show you that you can create wonderful film fantasy and be a political numbskull. I leave it at that. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're promoting a fantasy because Joe is not real. Nothing he does is real. <laughs> You know, and I mean, I don't even know that he's really alive. That's a I lot mean, of money to spend for a sandwich, I'll tell you. That. Well, <laughs> but, but now that tells you something right there about money and wealth and everything else. By the way, uh, friend, uh, I said I'd plug it. They have a, a website up north. You're on it, as a matter of fact. They put your book on it. What's the name of the Is website? It? Oh, it's uh, Wicked 617. It's, oh, it's, that, uh, sounds like it's, that sounds like it's a New England website. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a Craigslist. Boston. It's like a Craig it's like a Craigslist, really? uh, I guess marketplace and all kinds of stuff. So you know, they're just getting going. It's gonna take a while to build. That doesn't you know, that just doesn't Wicked six one seven. So what do they have to do to see it? Just they just type in uh, wicked six one seven dot com and you go right to it? Yeah, you go right to it. So that that's bring, bring it. your so checkbook. <laughs> no, it's I think it's MasterCard it's, and Bees are accepted, I know. <laughs> well, you can list and buy stuff inside. They make their money elsewhere. Really? But, yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of websites, you know, uh, we got one. It's anotherday.com. We also are on Facebook, and we didn't do it at the front of the thing. We don't really plug our site that much for people to go to it, but they should. Um, I guess with that site, too, go to it, check it out, and check them out on Facebook. We should also check ask us you, out. please, if you like the show, would you please send the link to one of your friends who doesn't listen? Yeah, share us. Um, you yeah. know, the, now it's funny. We, we, we sit there and we check st- stats and we see we, we have a big audience. And then we noticed over the weekend we didn't have quite so big. But we don't know. We did see the international streams and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know were... how, how reliable sometimes those statistics are. It's almost like over the weekend, every, every, and I can understand it, everybody took like a breather from politics. And maybe that's what happened. That's fine. Because our stati- believe it or not, nothing. You know, we only had one show that was available that was relatively new. That was that was the one that was produced on last Wednesday, and it went all weekend. So if you listen to it, well, then you listen to it, and then it dropped off the listenership on Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But overnight, it's gone way up again. I can't. Can't yeah. figure it out. It's a roller coaster, man. It was just did it had to climb it is. that hill. Hey, listen, our phone number is 833-538-7868. 833-538-7868.
Mail at itsanotherday.com, mail at jimandbill.com, jimandbill at mail.com, and also you'll find us on Facebook, It's Another Day. We have so many accounts for mail, it's amazing. It's just amazing. Yes, and you know, go to Facebook and give us a like, send us some love that way, and if you want to say something, post something there, because... We, we really don't push it. we got to grow it, and that's a nice way to share us. And you can, also say, uh, you can also say what we say at the end of every show if you want to. If you like, you, oh, you can walk yeah. into a room. Do this, do this to your friends. If you're, in, if you're listening in a college somewhere and you've got some friends in a dorm room, walk into uh, the room and say in a very loud voice, Hasta la vista, baby. We're out of here. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs>